Excellent. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to the book of Exodus chapter 29? Exodus chapter 29, that's your second book in the Bible. Kind of a strange passage to take you to on Father's Day, but you'll understand soon enough. Father, I ask your blessing upon this time in your word. I pray that you'd speak to us. Remind us of how much is available for us to live the life that you want us to live. And Lord, how good we have it in this New Testament era. Pray that you would bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Here in Exodus chapter 29, Aaron is becoming the first high priest of the nation of Israel. He's being ordained into the ministry. Aaron's sons are becoming the first priests in the nation of Israel. They're being ordained into the ministry. So this chapter describes an Old Testament ordination service. Now, Old Testament... Ordination services were very different from our New Testament ordination services. I'll never forget my ordination service. It was one of the most beautiful days of my life. I was ordained as a pastor on November 16th, 1997. Here in El Paso, when our church was real small, we were still meeting in a YMCA. And we just had a church gathering like We do. The church gathered. The elders of our church gathered. My parents came down. Other friends and family came down. My pastor from my home church in Albuquerque, Pastor Skip, came down. He brought a team. And we had a time of worship, and then we had a time of teaching, and then I was asked to come forward. I was surrounded by the elders, my dad, my pastor. They laid hands on me. They sprinkled a little oil on my forehead. And they prayed for me. And they ordained me into the ministry. And then the papers were signed and it was official. I was ordained pastor. Beautiful, wonderful service for me. The Old Testament ordination service, very different. In fact, if we still had ordination services like they did back then, I'm not sure how popular they'd be. I'm not sure a lot of people would attend. And you'd probably get real queasy. Let's briefly look at the process. First step, they had to collect all of the materials that would be necessary for this service. Verse 1, it says, And this is what you shall do to them to ordain them or hallow them for ministering to me as priests. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. You shall make them of wheat flour. You'll put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. So first collect 
some unleavened bread, some unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil. Put that in a basket. That'll be used for grain offerings. And then take one young bull and two rams. These three animals must be unblemished. That is, they must be normal, strong, healthy, innocent animals. No limps, no handicap, no skin disease, nothing wrong. And then, as you're going to see, they would need water. And then they would also need these very special garments. These robes, these tunics, and these turbans. And then they would need a very special oil, an anointing oil, special recipe just set aside for that, a fragrant, smelling, rich oil. So collect all of that. And then the first step in the ceremony was a big, long bath. For Aaron and sons. Verse 4 says, And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. So the priest, Aaron, and the sons, they come to the door, and there's a little bit of privacy, and they would have been required to strip down naked and to be washed from head to foot with water. They're dirty. They need to be cleansed. Big day for them. Ordination day. So the first step was this long bath, the cleansing. Second step, clothing. Verse 5, then you shall take the garments, put the tunic on Aaron and the robe of the ephod, the ephod and the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. Then you shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. Now, further down in the chapter, the sons of Aaron, the normal priests, they would be dressed completely in white. Under garments called tunics, white. Outer garment, the robe, white. White band, white sashes. The high priest was dressed spectacularly, brilliantly. A long underrobe called a tunic, that would have been white. Then a robe that went on top of that, that would have been royal blue. And it's called the robe of the ephod. So there was a place in that robe to attach the ephod, which is an apron of many different colors. And then to the apron, right above the chest, was attached a breastplate. And the breastplate had 12 specific stones on it, each stone representing one of the 12 tribes. And then all of that was gathered together in a sash. And then a beautiful white turban. And then a golden crown. I brought some artistic renditions 
of what that would look like. The two on the left, that's how somebody sees that the high priest, that's their interpretation, that's how they would dress. And then on the right, the normal priest in the white. But now these garments, they were holy. They were set aside just for these guys, nobody else. So first step, bath. Second step, clothed. Third step, anointing. Verse 7. You shall take the anointing oil, pour it on his head, and anoint him. Now, when I went to my ordination service, I was just sprinkled. I had a few little dabs right here. In the Old Testament ordination service, you took a whole ram's horn full of oil and you poured it over the priest. The whole head was covered. It drained down the face, off the beard, off the garments. Guys, think the, ga- you know, the, the Gatorade bath that the coach gets. Just doused in oil. Dripping the fragrance of that oil. And then step four. The young bull and the two rams were sacrificed for the sins of Aaron and his sons. You see, Aaron and his sons were not perfect men. They were flesh and blood just like us. And they were sinners. And because they were sinners, their sins had to be atoned for. And in the temporary Old Testament economy and the priesthood, a temporary covering or atonement was provided for sinners through animal sacrifice. And so the rest of this chapter describes that. I'm just going to sum it up. The young bull would come first. Aaron and his sons would lay their hands on the head of the bull. Picture this. Symbolic of them transferring their guilt, their sin, to an innocent substitute. The throat of the bull was slit. All of the blood was poured out all around the altar. The bull was cut up into different pieces. Some of it was burned up on the altar of bronze. And other parts of the animal was burned up outside the camp. Then a ram was called forward. Again, Aaron and his sons would place their hands on the head. The throat was slit. Blood was poured out all over the altar. Most of the ram was completely consumed on the altar of sacrifice, a burnt offering. And then came the third ram. Same thing. Hands applied to the head, throat cut, blood poured out, except in this case, some of the blood was applied to the top tip of their right ears. And then some of the blood was applied to the thumbs on their right hands. And then some of the blood was applied to the big toes on their right foot. And then that blood mixed with the anointing oil was sprinkled on them 
all the way down from head to toe. So they were essentially sprinkled from head to toe with the blood of an innocent animal taking their place. So I brought some graphic pictures to show. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. I'll leave that to your imagination. But that's why I like New Testament ordination services better. Those guys were called to be the priests of their nation. And in order for them to be ordained into that ministry, they had to have their sins atoned for. They had to be cleansed, clothed, and anointed. And oh, what a job the priest had. The high priest really sort of served as the father for the whole nation of Israel. He was like a father for the children of Israel. He wore the people right next to his heart. He was called to love those children. And he was called to be a priest. A priest in Latin. It's it's a bridge builder. Someone who builds a bridge between God and man. A priest is someone who stands right in the gap between God and other people. A priest is someone who represents God to people and represents people before God. That's the priest. That's their job. My brothers in Christ, my fellow dads, that's your role. That's what God has called you to be in your family. The priest in your family. The one who holds your children right above your heart. The one who stands in the gap. The one who builds the bridge. Dad, I can't think of anything more important than that. You're called to represent God before your family. To represent God before your children. To show your children God. In the way you live. In the way you worship. In the way you do everything in life. Marriage, parenting, work, recreation, friendship. Dad, you may not know this yet, but this cannot be avoided in your life. Oftentimes, especially when your kids are young, their first impression of God will be you. You think of that. Reminds me of the Sunday school class where the teacher asked the kids to draw a picture of God. One child portrayed God as a brightly colored rainbow. Another child drew him as an old man coming out from the clouds. Still another little boy drew God with a strong resemblance to Superman. The best sketch came from the little girl who said, I don't know what God looks like, so I just drew a picture of my daddy. For better or worse, dad, 
you have that role. It's so important. Even when your kids are grown up, no matter what their age, you are also called to represent your children before God. Dad, bringing your children to God. Sacrificing your time and energy to bring your children to God. You know who one of the greatest dads was in the whole Bible? Job. You remember that guy? Job. In chapter 1, verses 4 through 5 of Job, it says his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. So it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them, and he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did regularly. A man who woke up early in the morning, offered sacrifices for his children, prayed for them, covered them, interceded for them. Steve Farrar writes this of a praying dad. He says, a godly father is the unseen spiritual submarine who lurks below the surface of every activity of his child's life. This is a man who's put on the full armor of God and goes to warfare on his knees. And he is a force to be reckoned with. We cannot be with our kids 24 hours a day, but through prayer we have the ability to affect situations even when we're not physically present. You may be undetected, but that doesn't mean that you're ineffective. Dad, that's your responsibility. And I know we talk about prayer a lot, but let me ask you, when's the last time you labored in prayer? For your children. Maybe you have a child that's gone astray in rebellion. When's the last time you labored for that young man? Got on your face and cried out to God on behalf of your son or your daughter. What a role. The priest of the household, dad, you're in such an important place. And and don't get me wrong, it's 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 hard. It's not easy. We're busy, guys, right? We got a lot going on. We got different things going on in life. And and let me tell you, I'll be the first to admit, raising children's hard. It's not easy. I've done a lot of hard things in my life. I studied to become an engineer. I planted a church. We've done all kinds of... The hardest thing in my life has been to be a parent. By far. And that's not because children are crazy, terrible, difficult. They can be. But it's because you love them so much. And you care about them so deeply. And you want the best for them. A Christian pastor that I, I really uh, respect, and he has adult children all grown up, He said these words. He said, if you have young kids, 
I mean really young, you might be living under the illusion you have this parenting gig down pat. You listen to Focus on the Family every night, and you've read all the best parenting books. You're the expert on child rearing. Well, hold on to your hat, buddy. The teenager years are fast to coming. And very soon you'll be going to be facing situations you have no idea how to handle. And then comes the murky years, the late teens and early 20s, when you still have all the responsibility but very little authority. I've done more serious parenting after high school than I ever did beforehand. That's what he says. You know, every stage in being a parent has its challenges. Dad, I know that. I get that. But it's so important that you do everything that you can. And you need help. You need to have your sins atoned for. You need to be cleansed, clothed, and anointed. Just like those Old Testament priests. Now, you do know that everything in the Old Testament, everything about the sacrifices and and the activity of the priesthood, all of that was temporary, all of it. It was all meant to point forward and look, foreshadow what Jesus Christ would do for us at the cross. See, in the Old Testament, you have this principle repeated over and over and over again. Here it is. Sin is ugly, sin deserves death. And an innocent substitute must die in your place to cover your sin. That is the message from the Genesis to Revelation. Sin is ugly and messy, sin deserves death and judgment. And if you want to be forgiven, an innocent substitute must take your place. Now in the Old Testament... It wasn't possible with the blood of bulls and goats and rams and lamb. That doesn't work. That's not a one-to-one correspondence. That's human to animal. Real atonement must be human for human. And so all of those Old Testaments were pointing towards Christ. He fulfilled it. The Son of God became human. He left heaven, he came to this earth, and he died on the cross for your sins. And he rose again, and he paid a terrible price. And that's why no more sacrifice is required. Jesus did it. Isn't that wonderful to know? No more sacrifice. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God. Jesus at the cross after suffering said it's finished. The sacrifice has been paid. And listen carefully. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. When you lay your hands on the head of Jesus. Acknowledge your sin. Recognize that he dies in your place. Oh, man, your whole life changes. Your sins are atoned for. 
Ephesians chapter 1 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you get the bath, you get cleansed. One time, full-blown cleansing. All the dirt washed away. All of it. We're told in Titus chapter 3, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you get clothed. You get clothed in the most beautiful garments you can possibly imagine. The righteousness of Jesus Christ covers you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. You put... You ask Christ to be your Lord and Savior, all your sins forgiven, and you're dressed in the royal, righteous robes of Jesus Christ. And my friend, you enter into a walk with the Lord, a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he can help you parent. He can help you. The most important thing you can do, Dad, listen, is not prepare your kids with money and not prepare your kids with school and all that, although that's great. The best thing you can do is prepare them spiritually. And that's only possible if you're spiritually healthy. The best thing you can do is to nurture and grow your relationship with Jesus Christ and be committed to him. We also need the anointing. <laughs> oh, how desperately we need anointing. And here's the thing. When you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. Think of this, Dad. The Holy Spirit of God takes up residence in you. And he's available to empower you, to give you the right words to say at the right time. Wisdom and discernment and dealing with your children at every stage of, the, of life. I love many of the symbols in the Bible for the Holy Spirit. He's a wind. He's likened to the wind. Think of a wind, how powerful the wind can be and how refreshing the wind can be. The Holy Spirit is also likened to a fire. And the Holy Spirit in your life will begin to light you on fire with a passion and with power to do his will. But my favorite is that of oil. Throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that dousing of the oil is a picture of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Olive oil played a vital role in ancient Israel. It soothed tired and sore muscles. It cooled a flushed brow. It moistened and healed wounds. It added a wonderful fragrance. It softened brittle surfaces. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. He soothes the troubled soul, softens the calloused heart, Moistens or saturates a dried up imagination. 
It cools hot passions, violent tempers, and he adds a holy fragrance to your life. Dad, that's what your family needs to see. A man controlled by the Holy Spirit. Depending upon the Holy Spirit, day to day, moment to moment. And I would invite you to every morning when you wake up, Christian dad, man, you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to anoint you, to use you. I wish I could have brought an entire ram's horn full of oil this morning, and I wish I could pour it over every one of your heads. I wish I could give a Gatorade shower of spiritual power poured out on the life of every one of my fellow dads. How desperately we need it. I don't know about you, I want to be the best dad I can be. And I want to be the best granddad that I can be when that happens. We need the Holy Spirit. We need a walk with Christ. If you're here this morning and a dad and things aren't good, have you given your, have you taken the bath? Have you been saved? Have you received Jesus Christ by faith? First step. You say, but all my kids are grown. They're living messy lives maybe. Listen, start right now. Start right now. Be the best dad that you can. And that starts by becoming saved and becoming a member of the body of Christ. And it comes by having the Holy Spirit living in you. Christian father, maybe issues in your life are tough. Maybe you got issues with children. Are you growing? Have you let the spiritual part of life fall to the wayside? That needs to be top priority. And my brothers, again, daily, get up. Spend time with your Lord. Grow in your relationship with him. And ask for that sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that if you ask the Heavenly Father, he will give you good gifts. And especially if you ask him for the Holy Spirit, he'll give Now, I've tailored this message to dads, but really, this is a beautiful, beautiful concept for all of us. All of us. Did you know in the New Testament, we're all called to be priests? Did you know that the church is a royal priesthood? You know, we hear words from time to time, we hear the word saint and priest. And what does that make you think of? These real formal, but really the New Testament says if you're a born-again Christian, you're a saint. Saint Terry. The Bible also teaches in the New Testament that if you're a born-again Christian, you're a priest. You're meant to stand in the gap between God and people. You're to represent people to all, represent God to all the people in your life. And you're to represent all the people in your life before God. You're an ambassador for Christ. You need that power to be that. You need the cleansing. 
You need the atonement. You need the clothing. You need the anointing. Be the best mom you can be, best teenager you can be, the best witness that you can be. Let's bow our heads. Let's ask God to anoint us afresh. Lord, I do pray a special, special prayer for my fellow brothers, my fellow dads. Oh, Lord, what you have called us to. Who can be up for that task? Lord, you've called us to that. And Lord, you've empowered You've given us your spirit. I pray that we would be mindful of your spirit daily. I pray for my brothers who are struggling, who have drifted. Lord, remind them that there's always restoration, that you can take care of. You can do amazing things through your men who are dedicated to you. You can make up for a lot of lost time. Well, listen, brother, you need to come back. You need to get real. You need to be right. You need to get your priorities straight. If you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. Whether you're a dad or or a mom needing help, wherever you might be in life, whatever stage, if you've never received Christ, you have an opportunity right now to do so. The price that was paid so that you could be forgiven. If that's you, in the quietness of your heart, just ask him to save you. Say, Lord, I, right now I'm placing my faith and trust in you for salvation. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for paying that price. That Wash me. Clothe me. Save me. Anoint me. That's what I want. Help me to live for you. Bring a brand new start. In Jesus' name, amen.